You're listening to the Sioux Falls Startup Stories Podcast. Hello and good day, everyone. Welcome to episode three. We are in the heart of season three. And real quick, I wanted to share a quick ask. Do you know of someone who is an entrepreneur or who owns their own business or is thinking about starting their own business? Or maybe you know someone who works with entrepreneurs and business owners. Well, my ask is, would you mind sharing this podcast with them? Getting these hard stories out about the early days of entrepreneurs has always been the mission of this podcast. And I would love, from the bottom of my heart, love if you'd help me reach more people organically by sending them a message and mentioning this podcast. Seriously, thank you to everyone for tuning in. Okay, episode three. I'm Rebecca Scott. I'm owner and designer of Rebecca Scott Designs, and I am a podcaster. The podcast is called The Encourager, and I do master courses based off of my podcast and my book, Equipped to Execute. Yes. So Rebecca Scott is our guest for this episode, and I'm so excited to share her story and her business, businesses, with you. Rebecca runs her own podcast, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But I can tell from the moment that she sits down that she's very comfortable in front of the microphone. Her posture actually reminded me of Melissa Johnson from Oh My Cupcakes, who I interviewed back in season two. And then she tells me. Love her. Well, that we met at radio. Yeah. Oh, okay. In radio anyways. Yeah. yeah so she yeah. told me that, that same thing. So she's super comfortable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like way well versed. No, I was the peon, like changing garbages and writing commercials, not like minivan Melissa. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. If you go back to season two and listen to Melissa Johnson's episode, you'll learn that Melissa spent a lot of her working career before baking and cupcakes and radio and broadcasting. And that's where Rebecca and her first met. But Rebecca didn't spend most of her working career in radio even though that's what she has a degree in and what she went to school for. But she found a passion in something else. I have a degree in radio and TV broadcasting because I thought that would be really fun and creative. Turns out it wasn't quite creative enough. And so I was sewing purses, anything really. I would, I would sew for Barbie when I was little. I would sew for my twin sister, anything I could convince her to wear. I would sew for her and I sold for Allstate Chorus and for prom and then eventually for my wedding. And just whenever I was bummed out, um, that's what I would do is create. Sewing. That's what Rebecca built an entire business around, designing and sewing purses and accessories. And what a fantastic business it is. It seems that when it comes to sewing, it's just as much a part of who Rebecca is as what the air we breathe is to us. She has this way about her when she talks about it. I've been sewing since I was four years old. And before my mom thought I could handle a sewing machine, I would take a staple and Kleenexes and staple them together, pretend it was a machine. So eventually she was like, okay, she really does mean it. And so I've been sewing since I was four, was a 4-H program, which is an agriculture, basically an entrepreneur program. And that's how I got my, like, experience and my skill set for what I do now. Well, Rebecca grew up West River on a ranch. So the whole 4-H world sort of makes sense. Even now, her and her husband own cows, and they do the whole farm life. But sewing is her thing, and it has been since she was young. But she went to school for radio. I always like to ask entrepreneurs who went to college, 
what was your five-year plan coming out of college? Because the answer is never entrepreneurship. Uh, get out of school as fast as possible. So I graduated in three years instead of four because I just wanted to get out of there and marry this really cute boy. So <laughs> just like the, my whole life is like, well, how do we fast forward this a little bit? Because I know what I want. And my five-year plan then was to find a job that was really creative because that's just really important to me. That's where I get all my joy. And ultimately, I, I did want to stay home. I wanted to do what my mom got to do, which was go to all my activities and raise me well and not have to do the daycare scene. That that was really important to me, probably just because of my growing up years. So that was always playing in the back of my brain and pretty much always entrepreneurism. Like, what could I do on my own? I just, I didn't, I didn't like all the red tape with corporate jobs, especially the daycare part of it. Like, you basically just have to get childcare. I didn't like that part. And so I was always thinking, what could I do on my own? Like, I knew I would do something creative. I could be baking cakes right now and be really awesome at that, I suppose. I knew I was always going to pick something creative, but it would be my own thing. Okay. Well, the answer is rarely entrepreneurship. So her role in the corporate job world was pretty short-lived, but ultimately what led her to starting a company and how did she go about doing it? Well, apparently I got really bummed out in our first year of marriage with having no money and I was still sewing on the side to lift my spirits and didn't have any money for Christmas gifts. But I did have a pile of fabric in my sewing machine that I got for graduating. So I thought, well, I'll make a couple of purses because it's the cheapest and easiest way to update an outfit. And so I thought, okay, I'll make a couple of these. Well, then I started getting orders on my answer machine. I would come home from radio and I'd have a couple of orders. And I thought, well, this would be kind of fun. And then it dawned on me, oh, my gosh, if I could stay home and sew all day and raise babies, this would be the best gig ever. So that became my new mission was just to be able to, and it still is, like, I just want to sew purses in my happy place, sew period, and raise babies. And thankfully, I've been able to do that now for 15 years. And I have a large team. I, respectively, I think so, a pretty large team getting to do the same thing. They stay home and raise babies and sew. So it's worked out really well. Well, that's the story of Rebecca Scott. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. But seriously, the drive and vision that Rebecca has for not just her business, but for her life is truly inspiring. I brought that up and she had a pretty good laugh, but truly she really knows what she wants and she just does the things to gain the momentum and pursue that thing. But she started out with a job, a job that she liked, but she didn't really love. Well, I was in a basement in a cubicle, so there's that. But I did decorate my space really cool. And um, I learned I learned things that I use my job now that I know was a blessing from God saying, okay, I'm going to have you learn this, even though you're actually going to collect their garbage and pour their coffee as well. Just hang in there, kiddo. I got a big plan for you. So I mostly did, did that. And even while I was doing that, I was constantly asking, like, is there any other job you guys need help with? Like, I painted the walls one time. I was like, oh, you got a paint job? Sure, I'll try that. And I painted the walls and... I volunteered for um, to be a co-host, which didn't really pan out, um, you know, but any other job that I could do other than the one they had me in, I volunteered for. Now, this part of her story sounds pretty familiar. Most entrepreneurs share stories really similar to this. We are restless. We don't like the lack of freedom and creativity in our day. We just want to be doing our own thing. With Rebecca's drive and passion for sewing, she didn't make it too long in the corporate job life before she had a plan to pursue her dreams. 14 months. And 
within six months, I'd started my own side gig. I just had to work it a little bit longer to get debt free. And then I knew I could start my business. 14 months working for the man. Her transition to full-time self-employment was an absolute breeze, right? Not quite. And I think it is important to mention like in the entrepreneur journey. So I started that and I was sewing purses on the side, making a little bit. And I thought, gosh, if I can get this up and going and make more than my paycheck, which is another story, you always need to make three times your paycheck. But anyways, at the time, I'm like, if I could just replace my paycheck, I could stay home. But we started taking the Dave Ramsey course together when we were newlyweds. And that drastically changed how we saw money. And just following the program was just like fuel for I'm getting the heck out of Dodge. I'm going to finish this job. And so I narrowed it down to 30 hours a week from 40. And I went down to 30 hours, uh, lost my benefits by doing that, but knew I could make up for that with the side gig and then kept working it and then thought through when we wanted to have children. And I said, okay, I want to make sure I have this even more up and going before our first one is born. And so then I said, I'm going to be done at the end of July. In fact, July 22nd. And I finished that day at two and it was like a really good goodbye. You know, they blessed my business and everything moving forward. And I sewed until 2 a.m. And I got up at 6 a.m. and did started selling again. I was just so excited to be able to do my own thing. <laughs> what I love about Rebecca is how she recalls the exact moment of her transition into her business full time, down to the time she left work and to the time she went to bed that night. It really speaks to her character and her passion of what she does and who she is. Even though she didn't keep at the same pace of sewing until 2 a.m. and waking up at 6 a.m., she still gets really excited about things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I still lose sleep when the UPS guy is coming because I'm so excited to see what the fabric is. Isn't she just incredible? Not that I'm unpassionate about what I do, but losing sleep for me doesn't come from excitement of what the UPS man is bringing me the next day. So Rebecca is a planner. She knows what she wants and she knows how to execute to get it. And that meant strategically working the side hustle to get out of the daily grind at her job. Well, I, what I really knew is, okay, I have to replace this income. I just can't, you know, jump off like some entrepreneurs do. So I knew I had to sidestep it. And I had started uh, a couple different funnels to get the income. So I didn't have a website yet but I was doing trunk shows, which is basically like a Mary Kay or Pampered Chef party, show up at somebody's house, they would buy my purses, then one of their girlfriends would want to host a show and I'd get a new group of friends. So I knew if I booked enough of those, that would replace my $339 paycheck from radio. So my first two trunk shows out, I made $700 per one and I was like, sayonara radio, except... <laughs> The trunk shows weren't being booked every single week, which, you know, in your enthusiasm, you're like, no problem. I'm totally going to rack this. Well, there was some lean months in there. So if I had to do it over, I definitely would have worked one more year in radio and kept kept up with the purses and just double tightened it because I didn't have kids at the time. But that is not the path I chose. It totally, well, it makes you grind harder. And I was so grateful that I loved the work, which is, you know, I don't know if I did have that much control over if I would have picked sewing or baking or gardening or starting whatever. I think I was really glad I picked sewing because it cost me so much joy. So even when I was frustrated or broke or whatever, I would still get the sewing machine out and sew something. Here's, here's true entrepreneurism. <laughs> Had no money and I needed to go to a show, but didn't have enough purses to show them that I thought that they would want to buy, but no money to buy a purse or no money to buy fabric. So I paced around the living room, took a bath, all things women do to start their <laughs> idea process. 
And I noticed I had really cur cute curtains. So I got on a stool and I cut my curtains down and sewed a couple of purses for the show the next day and then kept steamrolling it. This story about the curtains was the very first experience I've ever had with Rebecca. I saw her speak years ago at a One Million Cups event where she shared this exact story. And to say that I was inspired by this feat of overcoming obstacles and entrepreneurship is a complete understatement. This is the true heart of what it means to bootstrap a business and do what it takes to make it work. This will forever be one of my favorite stories from this podcast series. But even this woman, with all her planning and resourcefulness, faced some pretty lean times in her early days. As she was learning, simply replacing your corporate income isn't enough as an entrepreneur, and that caused some pretty lean times in the early days. So, well, it's just very, very, very scary. And my whole motivation was children. So how do I not go back to an eight to five? What can I do? So I started thinking again of different avenues um, of cash flow. So if I didn't, because we were working the Dave Ramsey program so strong, it was like it was not an option for me to go to the bank and ask for more money. I just, I cut down my curtains. So I thought, well, that'll work. And maybe if I go to the wholesale show and share a booth with another gal, I could get some boutiques who have a brick and mortar store and they could sell them and then I wouldn't have to uh, buy my own brick and mortar. So I thought, okay, well, that's another avenue. So I started thinking that through. And then I started thinking through shows were like $400 a booth. Well, I didn't have the $400, but if I went to smaller town, like achievement days or whatever, you know, jamboree days or whatever it might be called, they were only $10 for a table. I'm like, I can fill a table up and I can show up. So I did that and I did those back-to-back -back weekends because every town has their own little show. And I thought my goal at the show will be not to sell seven purses, but to hand out 50 business cards. So that's what I did. And I tallied every single time I handed out a business card. And that's how I steamrolled during a lot of the lean years. And then uh, did like probably a lot of people think too, is like, let's form a group and figure out what's working for them. So then uh, put together what I called at the time passion groups. And we just got together and talked about what we're passionate about and what different avenues they were running. And I, I had a, one organized in Brookings and then one organized in Sioux Falls. And I got a lot of ideas from them too. And word spread like that. She was really grinding it out, doing shows, booking her trunk shows, handing out business cards. She really put her face into the world and said, here I am. And this was 15 years ago, but many of these same tactics she still uses today. It's whatever she can do to get her name and face into the world. But I mean, I did so many free things too. Like I gave to every everybody that called me for a donation I gave to. And to this day, we're able to do that. Every single person that contacts us, which could open a can of worms here, we, we give to. So that helped just like, I always think I did analog instead of digital marketing. Just one woman to one sister to one sister-in-law to one friend to one cousin. That's how I continue to do it. Hey friends, it's mid-October already, and I know some of you don't like thinking about Christmas this early, but in the business and retail world, we gotta plan ahead. What am I talking about? Corporate gifts. You have clients, you have partners, you have a big list of people to say thank you to this year. Buying gifts for this group of people can be daunting. What do you get them? More stuff to sit around their house or office? This year, think about something a little more personal, maybe more useful. My wife and I own a retail store called Juniper Apothecary. We hand make almost all of our products, which include a lot of bath and body products like soap, 
body scrubs, bath bombs, and shower steamers. We can custom create any gift set to match your budget and style. The great part about these types of gifts, they don't just sit around. They get to use them and experience them. Not to mention, all of our products are natural and free of all the chemicals that so many people today are trying to avoid. If you'd like to see some of our pre-made options or custom create something that fits you perfectly, just come down to our retail store on 8th and Railroad. We're right next to Remedy Brewing Company on the south end of the boardwalk. Or hit us up online at juniperapothecary.com. Oh, and when you do stop in, there's a good chance that you're going to see the whole family there. See you soon. Well, by this point, we've seen and we understand the excitement and passion that Rebecca puts into her business. And her optimism about her business and in life is almost to a fault. Even when she was trying to book her trunk shows, even if she wasn't getting traction or results, she just expanded her geography. She dived into different product lines like baby hats and other items, some of which worked and some of which did not work. But she never once thought about it negatively. She just knew she would have to position herself differently and learn from that experience. But most of those were minor mishaps, easy to navigate the waters and change direction. But eventually, she made one big wrong turn. Right. I have a perfect scenario. I decided I got, thankfully, enough trunk shows booked that I couldn't do the making and the selling. And I knew my strength was in the making, the sewing. So I thought, okay, well, I'll hire the selling part and then they can work on commission. It'll be a beautiful thing. And I got like six sales reps on board. One, my twin sister, but you know, the rest, I did not know too well. They were sales reps. So they would go around and book the trunk shows on their own. Their responsibility was to book their own trunk shows. I would give them the trunk and they would set off to sell them. Well, I got them together for our awesome annual meeting where seriously the heating in our farmhouse broke. So we were all sitting there in our winter coats, like talk about entrepreneurism, in our winter coats, having our meeting. And I said, okay, what do you think would be the best direction for, I think it was 2009. How can we do this? And they said, um, I think we really need a catalog. Pampered Chef, Mary Kay, 31. Everybody's got this pretty glossy catalog. Let's get a catalog that will help us when we're selling, because then we could just take it to a dentist's office or a radio station or any corporate office, put the catalog there, tell the ladies in the office to buy the products. We'll go back and pick it up and that'll work. And I thought, yeah, that sounds great. We can make a catalog. Yeah. So I made this pretty awesome catalog and it cost $10,000, which I cash flowed at the time. Like I did without so that I could give the sales reps what they wanted because that's what they had requested. Like, I think this will really help us. And so had the catalog and thought, I came up with my own little pie chart of how we were going to pay off the catalog and how we were going to, how quickly we would make up the sales and blah, blah, blah. It bombed. I mean, $10,000. I bet I got $600 in catalog sales. 600. Like, just, so. A $10,000 investment and a $600 return. That is a gut punch for sure. But what impressed me so much was her ability to step back, analyze the situation, learn from it, and then move past it. Living in that moment thinking, what did I do wrong? Because I obviously had to reflect on that one. Like, why did this bomb? I asked the wrong audience what they needed. I should ask my customers. 
And I asked my sales rep, thinking this was the route. And if I would have asked my customers, I guarantee they would have said, we want a website. We want to we want to shop from a website, not a catalog. So I thought, all right, lesson learned very quick, which is also typical of me. Bounce back. What are we going to do? Started pouring money into a website. Also paying myself little amount for like ridiculous amount of years, probably seven years of just under 30000 if we can be so honest. Because I wanted to like, okay, I was, still felt like I was a startup. And uh, put money into the website, and that was the ticket. The website paid for itself within six months as soon as it was formed. And when I went into the website guy, actually I had an interview of plenty of different website people. And the guy who brought his kid, I was like, you win. And I don't even know what you do yet, but you clearly have priorities like myself. And he said, here's A, B, and C. And I said, I actually do want the most expensive one because I don't want to waste any time with the middle ground. I just did that with the catalog and it didn't work. So tell me how we can agree to cash flow this and how quickly you can have this done. And so within six months of him forming this amazing website, also Sioux Falls Company, uh, the, the sales started coming in and it was the best decision. But I had to obviously learn the catalog scenario first. If you've spent any amount of time listening to this podcast, you know that I like to hone in on failure. Failures like the one Rebecca shares can put any entrepreneur out on their feet, not only financially, but emotionally. Bouncing back from situations like these isn't always easy. I know it wasn't for me when I shut down my company just a few years ago. So I pried into Rebecca's heart just a little bit more about this topic. But yeah, just being, and the reflection time is what stinks because I do operate at such a high speed of like, bounce back, bounce back, let's do this. I really had to sit in it. And I think my husband helped me definitely sit down. <laughs> we got to talk about this. <laughs> you can't, you can't, we can't just spend another 10000 on just anything. So what, what did we learn from this? And what she learned? Talk to your audience, the people giving you money for your product. And ultimately, a website was the resounding answer. But during this time of building a business and making moves and trying to do all the things, she's also a mom and a wife. And she'll be the first to say that those things come first. Her kids and her family are a big part of her business. It's a big part of why she started this business. But this poses a really big problem for every single entrepreneur I know that has kids, including me and my wife. That problem is balance. So you know how balance is such an icky word? I always say we just harmonize all the roles together. But I had a very distinct moment, and I talk about it in the first chapter of my book and why I wrote it is because... I was packing for a show in Aberdeen, South Dakota. When you get invited to the shows, but you basically get interviewed every single year, it's a big deal. And if you decide not to go, they blacklist you and you won't be able to go back to the show pretty much ever. So I knew I had to go. My son was as old as my business was. He kept tugging on my shirt for a snack and I was running in and out, packing the van full of all the stuff to get to the show. He was gonna come with me, but my mom was coming, my husband was staying home. Blah, blah, blah. Kept tugging on me for a snack. And I kept saying, just wait a minute, wait a minute, buddy. And then eventually lost it. Like the phone was ringing. I was, the car van was open. Like everything as a mother that you're like, oh, I'm not going to make it. He tugged one more time and I just screamed at him, stop it. And to this day, I can see his blue eyes welling up and his tiny little chubby hands like, I just wanted a snack. And so I got down on my knees and I, that's a lie. I was in the fetal position, just bawling, trying to figure out what, well, I can't do this. 
but I want this. I want to be his mother and I want to do this business. So if I want, I can't choose between the two of these. How can I make both of these work? So I called the show and canceled, which was a big cash flow problem. Told my husband, I got to think this through. Spent the weekend with Gus in pencil and paper and wrote down systems. How am I going to do this? Like, am I going to get up at 3 a.m. and do all the work before he gets up? And I just knew that wasn't sustainable. How could I work in chunks of time while I'm raising him? How could I make my food system work better? Because it seems like Nick's hungry and I'm not feeding him anymore. Yeah, I can relate to this. Trying to do work and getting frustrated at my kids who are just trying to be a kid is something that I struggle with daily. But it seems that Rebecca has solved or is at least solving her issues in her family with systems, food systems, work systems, family systems. It's pretty interesting. And so what I did is divide my life into four systems, my work system, my family system, my me system, how to take care of myself, and then my food system. Because we think a lot about like, well, what are we going to have for supper? And when I established these systems, and it didn't start out awesome, but I just worked on one system each week. Okay, here's what I'm going to do for food, because that's the easiest one to kind of make a decision on and feel like you got momentum. Then it was a work system, and it wasn't even a family system. It was a work system. Like, how do I work? Maybe it was because I wanted to make sure the family system worked. What kind of hours am I going to work? What's doable and what's not? What am I going to say no to? And I thought, well, when I'm raising kids, five to ten shows is enough. The rest, I got to figure out where that cash flow is coming from. I'm not going to travel every weekend. I can't do it. And then uh, a me system, how to take care of myself, because freaking out in the fetal position on the floor was not an option anymore. Like, how do I make sure that he's got his best mom he could possibly have? And then um, a family system. What kind of things do we want to define the Scots? What kind of behaviors will they go? That's totally a Scott. And knowing full well, I would have more children after that. So I just... It was a big eye opener. I didn't get back, get back invited to that show for another 10 years. <laughs> but um, best decision I ever made. Putting her family first is something that we all like to say. But here, Rebecca shows us what that really looks like in tangible form. She said no to her business. And I can't help but think about the numbers, the potential loss her business and her, and her family incurred from this very decision. Sometimes I think it's got to be one or the other, family or business. You can choose both. You know, when they try to tell us, nope, you got to choose one or the other. I, I truly believe you could choose both. It may not be like the size of my business now. I could not run with tiny toddlers at that time, but I ran it. I still ran it just on a smaller scale. I love the distinction that she's made here. She wasn't running the business she runs now. She kept her business manageable so that her family could come first. I'll be really honest. I struggle with this all the time. But thankfully, my wife keeps me grounded to what's important. And after speaking with Rebecca, we started to define some systems in our family, too. It's all in my book. The story is in my book and why I started it. And the moment why I decided to write the podcast and the book was I was in the parking lot of Hy-Vee doing an exchange of products because I meet a seamstress there and... She, I just laugh at this. I rolled up with my, all four kids in the van and we were going to to do our shopping because that was our food system to get them on Wednesday mornings. And she appeared in her van and she had her track suit on and no makeup and no hair. And the kids were in the back all in their PJs running around. And 
Um, and I paint it like that so that you can just understand the dynamics. And she said, oh, my gosh, Becca, tell me this is not how you are. Like, I was put together. The girls had their hair done. We were, we were ready for our day. It was 9. It wasn't like it was 7.30 in the morning. It was 9 a.m. And she was like, tell me this isn't how you are. I said, oh, no, no, no. We have mornings like that, too. Immediately a punch in my gut. Because it wasn't true. I was being falsely humble. I did have it together. And I didn't show up by 9 a.m. with everybody ready to start our day. And so I just wrestled with that and thought, well, everything that I'm doing, I could teach. This isn't anything this mom couldn't totally figure out. And so that started the podcast. I started writing as much as I could to tell women how to do exactly what I was doing. Because it wasn't anything like a special pill or a special method. I was getting plenty of sleep. How do I teach this to other women? So that started the podcast. And then again, asking my listeners, what else did they want? And they wanted a tangible book to keep referring to, to encourage them. So then the book came with that. And I cash flowed the book by also selling a cow. Just saying. Yes. She said that she cash flowed the book by selling a cow. True entrepreneurial spirit yet again. Well, Rebecca shared some amazing insight into her life and her business, which she seems to run as one in the same. As she mentioned, she has a book that she wrote called Equipped to Execute and also her podcast called The Encourager. I'll put links to all of this in our show notes that you can find on our website at siouxfalls.eco slash podcast. Another thing not really mentioned in this episode is Rebecca's Encourager Mastermind Group and Coaching with Becca opportunities. If you want more exclusive access to Rebecca and how she manages her life and business, as well as relationships with other mom entrepreneurs and women in business, these might be great options for you to check out. You can find all of this information on her website, which is shoprsd.com. But again, you can find all of these links individually on our show notes. Lastly, a big thank you to our sponsor, Startup Sioux Falls. Without the support of this entrepreneurial organization, this podcast wouldn't be possible. There is a Facebook group called Startup Sioux Falls, as well as a ton of resources and content to help anyone in the business arena around the Sioux Falls area. You can learn more about all of this on their website, siouxfalls.eco or siouxfalls.eco. All right, with that, we will see you guys next week.